You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 39, where we talk with Jimmy Hamilton of Vortex Optics. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in to the Transition Wild Podcast, hosted on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Hope you're having a great day. And you're getting out doing some shed hunting. Tis the season. It's March. It's starting to warm up. The snow's melting off. And hopefully you've been able to get out and do some scouting, uh, get ready for turkey season, and pick up a few sheds. So that's uh, that's what I'm focusing on this time of year. Before we get too far along with things, I just want to let you know, um, stay tuned to the to the end. This is, a, this is a really cool podcast. We cover a lot of good stuff with Vortex. But um, more importantly, they've offered to do a giveaway, uh, a set of their binoculars and some Vortex swag, t-shirts, hats, all that stuff to one lucky winner. I'll reveal how you get entered to win um, the binoculars and the t-shirt hat um, at the end of the episode. So make sure you listen all the way through. Now, tis the season. Um, it's, it's March here, and if you guys are looking at hunting in Colorado for this fall, you've got a, a couple weeks left to apply for the draw system. It closes April 1st. Could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Early April. Either way, if you're, if you're looking at hunting Colorado in the next couple years, you want to start applying for points, make sure you do that. Um, and it's a pretty easy system. So, it, but if you guys have any questions, I have no problem talking to anybody if they want to get walked through anything, if they have any certain questions on, on draw or preference points or tags, all that stuff. Um, I'm happy to help. So make sure you do that. If you are hunting in Colorado this fall, or you're kind of thinking about that elk hunt for 2019 or even later down the road, I've got the new and improved 2019 version of the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide available on my website. All you have to do is subscribe, send me your email, and I'll send you that guide for free. And essentially that walks you through how to plan a hunt, where to hunt, when to hunt, uh, gear you need, uh, scouting, and a bunch of information that kind of all wraps around hunting in Colorado. And... Uh, one of the cool improvements I've made to that guide for this year, I've offered a section uh, that allows you guys or anybody who subscribes to the the blog and gets that guide, I throw in some really cool discounts or really good discounts to um, some of the brands I've been working with. Heads Up Decoy, Real Game Calls, uh, Onyx Maps and Outdoor Edge Knives, they've they've all um, participated in this year's guide to offer you some pretty cool, pretty good discounts on, on gear um, this year. So that's pretty cool. Check that out and um, make sure you're uh, subscribing and, and we'll get that right to your inbox. Much, much appreciated. All right, today's episode, I have Jimmy Hamilton of Vortex Optics and uh, Vortex has been a company I've been wanting to get on the podcast for some time. I use their binoculars. I have one of their scopes on my 7mm 
uh, rifle and really enjoy their stuff. I mean, I've been a big fan for a while. Um, they, they just make a really good product for a really good price and they take care of the customer. They've got a, a really good VIP warranty, no questions asked, no bullshit. They're going to take care of you if something happens. So I've been a big, big supporter of Vortex for a long time. Super excited to have Jimmy on the show. We talk about a little bit of everything from how the company got started, what his role is with the company. And then we dive into a lot of their products that cater towards the Western Hunter. Spotting scopes, long range uh, range finders rifle scopes, binoculars, all that stuff. So we dive into detail, um, you know, on all of those different products. And, and Jimmy's, he's he knows the stuff. It, it was a blast talking to him, and it was great to have him on the show. Like I mentioned earlier, stay tuned all the way through the entire episode to learn how to enter to win a set of binos and some Vortex swag. All right, let's not wait any longer. Let's get Jimmy Hamilton on the line. All right, on the line with us now, we have Jimmy Hamilton from Vortex Optics. How are you doing today, Jimmy? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no, likewise. I appreciate you coming on the show. I kind of just linked up late last week, and, and you're like, I got Monday open, so here we are. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Glad to be on here. So do you, um, I had met your, one of your um, coworkers, Jake, at one of the recent shows, do you do you do any of the show circuit for Vortex, or you, they they chain you into the office there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I make it out for shows a fair bit, but um, Jake is in our dealer sales team, and our business is primarily direct to our dealers rather than direct to consumers. So I uh, I'm in the marketing department, and our marketing is more direct to the end consumer, like the guy or gal is out there using our products in the field. Yeah. And so uh, I go to shows that will be more direct to cons- to, to the consumer, uh, like the NRA show would be an example. The Western Hunting Conservation Expo in Utah would be an example. Um, I end up usually going to SHOT Show, which a lot of people maybe have heard of, which happens in January, usually in Vegas. But that's about it. And then I go to some events that we have, like competitive shooting events, um, our Vortex Extreme, stuff like that. But Jake ends up being at a ton of shows because uh, that's where a lot of our dealers get to see us. Of course, of course. But yeah, you guys do a fair amount of consumer shows to kind of drive that brand awareness to the customer, which then kind of uh, you know, filters down to the dealer side, which is primarily, you know, your, your B2B. So you're only selling through retailers primarily, right? Yeah. Yeah. And plus I think we just get, uh, I mean, no offense to anybody who does B2B primarily, especially with their marketing, but we just get kind of bored if that's all we did, I guess (laughs) it's really fun. It's really fun being on social media and making catalogs and making all kinds of different marketing things that, uh, that videos and stuff that the end consumer gets to watch and then get in a chat with them a lot. And, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I, uh, you know, one of the one of the things I really enjoy about your guys's marketing is just, you just have humor behind it. Um, so you got a lot of cool, funny videos out there. And then um, I, re- I think it was about a year ago you guys put out these like two kind of little short commercials called like "Fall Is Here," right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, it just kind of it's so true because I work for Quiet Cat, work in the hunting industry, and at that time of the year, you're trying to balance, you know, (laughs) your day-to-day office stuff, but yet you're still want to get out in the field and do some hunting. And, and that's a 
pretty if for people listening if you haven't seen those uh videos from vortex called fall is here you got to check them out because it really paints the picture of of how you balance and juggle your time during the fall <laughs> yeah yeah those we've been doing those for a while now there's there's a number of them if you check out our youtube channel um and we kind of got the inspiration from the old this is sports center commercials i don't even know if they still run those anymore but uh, it's, it's funny cause you know, I don't know if in the case of sports center, if when they did those, if that was actually a fairly realistic <laughs> depiction of what it's like at sports center, but it actually is fairly accurate to what it's like around here at the office come fall season. Yeah. Uh, you just see there's it, the whole dynamic of the office changes and you've got people bringing in wild game all the time. You have people bringing in their camo and their bows and their rifles just ready to go out basically at a moment's notice. So it's uh it's it's a lively place to be around that time of year yeah for sure and uh i don't know if it was part of the same video but it's like the one upper and you got guys <laughs> it's funny oh, it's yeah. like a cubicle setting you got guys setting up tree stands and blinds and they're grilling up back straps right in the cubicle you know office setting at vortex it's hilarious you got to check it out <laughs> yeah yeah that one was good fun so got to do a little grilling inside the office which uh <laughs> i wouldn't recommend for the uh smoke and smell but one-time deal it's it, it's pretty fun <laughs> you do it for the video and the instagram right do it for the gram that's right <laughs> well cool man so um so it sounds like you finished up some uh you know show season kind of hitting the circuit there what have you what's what's kind of your dynamic look like right now what have you been up to lately after kind of things are winding down with the show circuit yeah yeah so spring and summer i guess for our business, kind of the unique thing is, and I know primarily your podcast, you guys uh, deal with Western hunting. Um, you know, our business, the uniqueness there is that our products cater to a, a huge variety of people. Yeah. So the hunters, certainly, they still are, you know, eh, hunting season never ends, whether you're actually out in the field or you're out preparing your kit in the off season uh, or just, you know, out at the range, making sure that you're still staying sharp with your rifle or your bow. Uh, that never ends. But a large focus of ours turns over to the uh, recreational and competitive shooting part of our of our um, of our business. So, the guys like three gunners and PRS shooters and stuff like that, they're they're picking up those rifles and and kind of dusting, getting the dust off. Um, which actually, a lot of them do also hunt, which is kind of uh, kind of a cool thing there too. So yeah. you'll you'll chat with people at the three gun events or at the the PRS shooting events or just at the range about you know, uh, some of their hunting endeavors over the fall. So that's kind of what we wind up focusing on a lot in the spring and summer. Um, the, the kind of nice thing is that as the, the high of fall dies down and you kind of feel like, Oh man, I got a long time to wait. Then at least spring Turkey comes up. <laughs> yeah. And so we are kind of, there is starting to be a little bit of a Turkey buzz around here. Uh, people getting ready to, to go out Turkey hunting. We've, we've got our uh, we've got our tags all ready to go for around here in Wisconsin. Some people are going to venture outside the state. I won't, but, um, yeah, it'll be good fun. Nice. Nice. Cool. And, and you said you kind of, you know, as far as hunting goes, you kind of got started with that last fall. Is that kind of your first time going out or had you, had you been doing some hunting before that? I'd done a little bit of hunting before that. Um, yeah, like you said, just, just prior to this, we were, we were talking about, uh, kind of the itinerary, so to speak. And, you know, I mentioned, I'm, I'm not probably the biggest hunter. I'm certainly not the biggest hunter in our office. Um, I'm a little bit weird in the fact that I actually just, I really love working and primarily, 
I, I shouldn't say that I just love working in general because I'm sure if I worked anywhere else other than Vortex, I'd hate it. But um, <laughs> at Vortex, I, I just really enjoy it. I get a real big kick out of helping people out with, uh, you know, we, we do a podcast here. A lot of our podcasts revolve around helping uh, folks figure out, you know, what equipment they need, how to do certain tactics and stuff like that. And then we also do, you know, in social media, we interact with customers who are asking us all the time what optics they need for their hunt. Uh, for their competition, whatever. So I actually would, uh, not always, but many times almost rather be here just hammering out messages and talking with people that are out in the field and, you know, living vicariously through people who are in Alaska, people who are out in the Rockies and, uh, even out on the East coast and Midwest. It's, it's a ton of fun. I get to experience again, like I said, kind of vicariously, I get to experience a whole host of different styles of hunting all in just, you know, it could be just one day. So that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure a lot of your coworkers can appreciate a guy like you that, you know, can appreciate the hunting, um, uh, but you're holding down the office while <laughs> everyone else is, is out there trying to, trying oh, to yeah. go after some game in the fall or take hunting trips. So I'm, I'm sure you're much appreciated. <laughs> oh heck yeah. I cheer them on all the time. It's super fun getting to watch these guys go out. And I mean, you, you could die. I definitely get the bug too. I mean, when fall comes around, um, but you can just tell that there are some people that just absolutely live and, uh, live and breathe and sleep and die for this stuff. So I, I get a kick out of watching them. I've gone with them this last fall. We went out to Western Nebraska and kind of the, the Sandhill region. Nice. And, um, it was funny because I was joking around with the guys and, you know, that tag, we went late season. It was in early December. So it was a muzzleloader hunt. And, um, that tag was, it was basically mule deer or a whitetail and we'd seen pretty much only whitetail i ended up uh getting a whitetail buck when we were out there and i kidded around with the guys and i was like well we drove 12 and a half hours all the way out to western nebraska and you know kind of uh slummed it in this hotel and went out <laughs> and heard the sub-zero snowing weather and blizzard conditions and just so i could shoot a whitetail and i was like thanks guys i could have done that back home too yeah no but, kidding I wouldn't have had it any other way. It was a very adventurous hunt. If I, if I do, if I do make it out in the field, I love, I love very adventurous hunts. I'm, I'm not exactly one to enjoy sitting still. So that, that fit the bill. Yeah, no, that's, that's real cool. Sounds like a, a fun time. It's something you'll probably catch the bug and want to keep doing mm -hmm. it for years to come. So that's, that's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was cool too, getting to do a muzzleloader hunt just cause that adds to the to the difficulty and complexity of the hunt, you know, um, now the guy that one of the guys from the office that we went out with, his name's Ryan Muckenhern. Um, he, he's been on our podcast all the time. He's been in a number of our videos here at Vortex. He had a muzzleloader built by Arrowhead Sporting Goods, I want to say, and it was actually, it's a long range muzzleloader. And so wow. that was pretty slick. We had, uh, we had a Remington, it's their, we had another muzzleloader. Is the Remington Ultra muzzleloader or something like that? I know I'm, I'm butchering the name. Sorry, Remington. Uh, <laughs> but we had that. That's a 50 cal muzzleloader. And then his is a 45, I want to say. And that was the long range one. And that's what I shot my deer with. And getting to shoot with that, it was a, it was a very like uh, very technical muzzleloader, if you will. And you know it was based on a Savage action, so it actually looked like a regular bolt gun. Um, and it used smokeless powder. So it was pushing a pretty big pill at like 27, <laughs> 2800 feet per second. Wow. So yeah, you could, uh, you could in theory take a deer out to, you know, 
400 or, or maybe even a smidge beyond if you're if you're good at it. Mine was at 225, but it was uh it was cool. I I, I kind of enjoyed that. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to the gear, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. Nice, nice, really cool. Well, let's uh let's talk a little bit about your background. Are you are you from Wisconsin um, originally? Where'd you grow up? And you know maybe how you got involved with Vortex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm from Wisconsin, from. Was, uh, Vortex used to be in Middleton, which is just outside of Madison, and now we've moved out to Barneville. But I started back when we were in Middleton. I'm from Middleton myself. Okay. Uh, actually, and I tend to be a little cryptic about it. I, I, I don't usually like to make a big deal of it, but I've, I've been here for uh, almost 25 years, and uh, I'm almost 25 years old. If that <laughs> gives an indication. Um, so uh, it's it's a family business, and you know I'm fortunate enough to be part of the family that. Uh, that started it from ground zero. Um, obviously, if you do the math and you see that Vortex technically started in 2002, that math doesn't add up. So there were other things that we were doing before Vortex. We had some uh, some retail businesses ourselves that were just uh, you know not not a manufacturer or a brand so to speak like Vortex is. We were retailers of you know just various outdoor equipment, and then for a, a period of time, actually quite a while since about '86, we were retailing various different brands of optics so we kind of were we enjoyed that portion of our retail business it sold a number of different things and we started up another business um called eagle optics which was exclusively into optics primarily like binoculars and spotting scopes and even for a time telescopes actually um but the the main thing with eagle optics is actually bird watching and um so back in the day before 2002, and actually even even after started, if you would have asked any of us, told any of us that we'd be getting into rifle scopes and red dots and you know uh, western hunting and stuff like that, we probably would have laughed at you and said birding's <laughs> where it's at. But um, we're uh, we're capable of we're capable of eating our own words and, and learning as we go. So um, anyway, yeah. So Eagle Optics went along for a while. We decided kind of that we wanted to start our own brand. Um, and, and kind of, you know, I, I, I don't want to knock any other more optics brands by any means. Um, you know, but I guess we just kind of wanted to be able to do it our own way. Yeah. And, and Vortex started up in Oh two. And so I was in second grade. I was just a little pipsqueak running around the back warehouse <laughs> and, um, actually Vortex was just in a back warehouse. So I was running around the office, uh, which was, which was like a couple of desks and a shelf and, um, <laughs> but, uh, Things just grew from there, and I finished up school. I was really into sports quite a bit, so I just basically worked at Vortex in the shipping. I've I've gotten to work in pretty much every department here, actually, uh, except every department except accounts receivable. Oh, you don't want to be in that department, anyways. Yeah, no, no. I, I was just fine with that one, uh, not being ticked off the list. But um, yeah, just kind of summer jobs and and winter break and spring break just coming back and working and then I graduated from school and I came back to work at Vortex I never thought I was going to work here I thought I was going to be a uh I thought I was going to be in the automotive industry designing all kinds of cool really? cars but yeah but ended up ended up coming back here and I just fell in love with it and yeah I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go anywhere else I, I wouldn't either sounds like you've you've uh, found yourself a good place there and and you said you're primarily on the marketing side. So what's your day-to-day -day look like? A lot of social media stuff? Are you doing planning campaigns, um, more of the creative side? Like, What are you doing as far as your day-to-day? 
Yeah. Um, I used to be the kind of head of our social media team for a while. And that was as I got out of school, um, you know, naturally uh, you give the social media position to a, a kid out of school, right? Um, <laughs> well, actually, uh, we had a gal who was running that for us before I got out of school and she was doing a really good job, but she ended up having a, a baby and they were like, hey, we need somebody to head this up. And so I said, well, you know, give it to the millennial, right? <laughs> yep. And um, so I took it over and I had, I, I'll be honest, I had never had an Instagram account before that. I didn't even actually know what Instagram was. I thought it was just a thing where you could take pictures and use its filters to make your pictures look nicer. <laughs> and um, I had no idea that there was actually – you could, other people could see your pictures. So I remember that the first time – we had had an Instagram account before I started. Um, but just before that, I kind of was like, okay, well, you know, I might be doing some of the social media stuff. I should make my own Instagram account. Um, and I made it, and I remember I took a picture, and I edited it, and I posted it. And like somebody commented on it or something or, and then, you know, like I got, I got likes and I was like, whoa, whoa, how are other people seeing this? Um, Your mind was forever blown. Yeah. It was super (laughs) weird for me. I'd only ever done like Facebook before. Uh, but anyway, I just kind of made myself force myself to be a quick study of it, started figuring stuff out and took over our vortex Instagram account and Facebook account and Twitter and all that stuff. And just kind of had to figure it out. I'm an economics major, so not a marketing major. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, uh, if you would have showed me um, a supply and demand graph and, you know, asked <laughs> me how many, how many utils people were getting out of uh, buying a binocular spotting scope, I would have been able to tell you that really well back in the day. But, um, yeah, so I, the social media thing grew quite a bit because we were engaging with a lot of people. We try to, you know, like if you shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anywhere – uh, our goal is to get back to it, you know, as soon as possible. You know, I don't have a set number of time because inevitably we'll screw that up and somebody will call us. <laughs> but um, we get back to everything. So if you ever shoot us a message, we're, we're going to work to get back to that. Um, that team grew. It's uh, it's made up of about three people now. That's basically it's their sole job to be on there, be posting, be responding to people. Um, full on customer service. I mean, everything we can do on social media. I kind of moved out of the social media department and left those three there and I still work closely with them. And now I, uh, uh, co-host with Mark Boardman here, our Vortex Nation podcast. I, I, I mentioned before, yeah. um, and then, uh, co-hosting that. And then also just being in a lot of our videos and, um, we're doing a lot of copywriting and stuff like that. So, my technical title is the chief media ambassador, and I guess that just means that uh, I I can talk to people good or something. <laughs> you get to do um, podcasts all day, right? Yeah, exactly. So perfect. Um, I guess I I wouldn't I, I never shut up or something at the office, so they gave me the position where I can talk. <laughs> So there you go. Speaking of the Vortex uh, Nation podcast, I, I had no idea you guys even had a podcast and I was kind of tuning into uh, one of the episode I was listening to yesterday was the kind of planning an Alaska moose hunt. And, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's just kind of scrolling through all the other topics that you offer and, and, and cover. It's just seems like it's a very well-rounded podcast, a lot of interesting <laughs> subjects. It's, it's pretty cool. Tell us a little bit about that. When did you guys start that? And uh, maybe some of the different topics that you guys cover. Oh, well, thanks. Appreciate the, uh, appreciate the plug. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, so we try to cover a little bit of everything. So, you know, uh, somebody who's diehard Western hunter, you'll get, you'll get your kind of, uh, shtick or, you know, uh, niche 
covered a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said earlier, being that our business just relates to so many different activities. Um, I've always said, if you simplify it down, it's just basically, uh, everybody always wants to see better, you know, um, or see stuff (laughs) that's far away and make it look closer. So optics end up getting employed in a lot of different applications. So we try and touch on a little bit of everything. Um, especially now being that it's spring and summer, for example, we'll be talking about a lot more, um, shooting related topics. So recreational shooting, um, firearms, you know, AR 15s and three gun and competitive shooting, stuff like that. When we come around towards fall again, we're going to be doing a lot of hunting stuff. Um, being mostly most of us from the Midwest, I'd say that our hunting podcasts tend to be geared a little bit more towards the Midwest, but you know, we understand we have a lot of customers out West uh, that do a lot more of the, the Western hunting stuff. So we, we mix those in as well, when we can get some cool guests on, um, we got some cool guests out at the Western hunting convention in Utah. We got those guys from 60th parallel, like the one you mentioned where we talked about, you know, planning your first Alaskan backpacking or Alaskan hunting trip. So yeah, just try and just try and cover a little bit of everything and, and, uh, not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, podcast is is a it's a fun dynamic because you can it's long form conversation you can get into a whole bunch of different topics and get down into a bunch of different rabbit holes and and really cover things thoroughly like when you're just trying to do like a QA interview style or writing a writing an article or producing a video it's so cut up and it doesn't really tell the whole picture you know so i just love the dynamic podcast just like what we're doing here so much fun and and uh you learn a lot too yourself Oh, you absolutely do. Yeah, you go on Facebook too, and it's like they say, you know, I, I don't have a marketing degree, like I said, but I've heard from so many marketers, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, if you're on Facebook and you have a video that's longer than 15 seconds, no one's going to watch it. And it's like, we can have a <laughs> podcast. You can have a podcast that's an hour and 15 minutes, and people are going to listen to that. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's weird, but it's yeah. cool. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like Vortex itself. I know hunting, obviously that's, that's what we're talking about today, but you mentioned the birding side. Um, Mm -hmm. are you involved in kind of the military tactical side? Like what are some of your different markets that, uh, you're involved with at Vortex? Yeah. So man, um, shoot a little bit of everything. Yeah. The, the, the birding thing, it's funny because while that used to be the absolute number one thing in our uh, in our sites, so to speak, it's now become probably, I don't, I don't want to say, I, yeah, I don't want to say any kind of a negative word. It's just not the biggest thing in our, in yeah. our small our percentage of what right you now. do. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing kind of once we started getting into hunting and, and shooting just how much that industry has, has grown and how much bigger it is than, you know, just kind of the casual observation optics. So you know, like you said, there's, there's Western hunting. That's kind of where kind of really around 2007, we started making some rifle scopes. We had some more serious binoculars and spotting scopes that we started coming out with. And, you know, since then our product development team has grown quite a bit. We've continued to make, uh, uh, more and more just really great, um, hardcore optics that somebody out West would be wanting to use. And that was a market that adopted Vortex, I would say, probably the quickest. Um, you know, people were, you know, open to trying trying us out as the new kids on the block. And Utah especially, I'm just going to give Utah a big shout out. It seems <laughs> as though 
Um, you know, whatever it was, it, it was a combination of, I'd say, some of the people we brought on here at Vortex who had extensive Western hunting experience, uh, some of the people that we met out in Utah, and uh, some of the dealers we were able to set up. But a lot of folks out in Utah adopted Vortex pretty quickly, and that's kind of since become one of our main hubs uh, for, for the Western hunting scene and a place that we like to visit quite frequently. Um, but now that's kind of spread out a little bit, you know, and it's uh, places like Montana, places like Wyoming. Alaska are all huge vortex uh, kind of hubs for us, and, and we got a lot of friends out there and dealers and stuff. So um, it was it was odd, I would say, for us at first being a Wisconsin-based company. With um, you know, my whole family is from the Midwest. I'm the only one in my family who's from Wisconsin. Everybody else in my family is from Indiana, and my mom's from West Virginia or something. She moved around all the time. Okay, <laughs> um, but we're all we're all Midwest folk. And so having people come in and talking about the Rocky Mountains and talking about bighorn sheep and elk and, you know, uh, just all that kind of stuff is it was uh, it was a culture shock to us at first. We we dove right in kind of head first. And, um, you know, I have two older brothers who are engineers here. Uh, my whole family works here, actually. So there's four brothers, um, including myself. And so two of my older brothers, they're twins. They do a lot of Western hunting. And they kind of got into that. They were two of the people that were um, kind of spearheading our Western hunting, kind of uh, dive in, if you will. And they've been doing that kind of thing for a while. Um, but my other brother and, and and myself, we we kind of got into Vortex first and then kind of, you know, figured out the whole hunting thing and stuff. Uh, and so um, it's been a little bit of, like I said, a culture shock for us, but, um, by now we're, we're very much used to it and we, and we kind of know the lingo and we know how everything goes. Uh, well, I shouldn't say we know how everything goes. Nobody <laughs> ever knows everything. Uh, You're but always we, learning. We, we know, yeah, we know enough to be dangerous and we've surrounded ourselves with tons of good folks here at Vortex that, uh, that know their stuff really well inside and out. So, um, that market's been cool for us. And, you know, you mentioned briefly military law enforcement, uh, that's continued to grow for us. Um, especially law enforcement, you know, as we started coming out with things like red dots and low power variable scopes, like one to sixes and stuff. Um, there's been a little bit of military, uh, you know, work there too. Um, there's certain things that we're working on that I can't even speak about, uh, that will be, you know, for some folks like that, but that's kind of, um, that, that's, that's a pretty big deal for us as well. And then just kind of the recreational shooter, like I've mentioned a couple of times, competition shooting, um, you know, three gun PRS, those guys, uh, there's, there's a lot of them out there. They're a very engaged group. You see a lot of them on social media all the time. So, yeah. um, yeah, cool folks to interact with. Well, nice. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me, um, why I've always been drawn to Vortex just from the beginning. I mean, I, I use your binoculars, um, have one of your scopes on the, on my rifle. And the one thing that's always kind of stood out for me, it's a, it's a great quality product. The price isn't astronomical that you'll see, you know, with a lot of these higher end glass companies or some of your competitors out there. It's reasonably mm -hmm. priced. It's good quality. Um, you know, your customer service, you, you always portray that you're, you're, you know, always interacting with the customer, um, listening to your dealers. And then part of your, the biggest thing for a lot of hunters is, is the, is the warranty. You got a warranty. That's no BS. Yeah. If something happens, you send it back and, and you guys take care of it. You've got a really good track record of that. So, I mean, just from my side and the hunting side, I've always just appreciated, you know, a good product for a good price. Um, and then, you know, you feel good about being taken care of should something happen. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a funny story about that. I guess when you go back, um, all my brothers are older than I am, so they've been around and, and hung around my dad for a, a longer period of time than I have. Um, and my uh, one of my one of my brothers who who's he's the next up for me. He's not one of the twins. Um, he's in our sales and marketing as well, uh, primarily sales though, and that's where he started. And he came into my dad's office when he first uh, when he first got going at Vortex out of school, and they were getting all pumped and figuring out, you know, how this whole vortex thing was going to work. And, um, you know, he was asking my dad like, all right, so what's our, what's our thing going to be? You know, when, when people ask me for my elevator pitch, they've never heard of vortex before and they're trying to figure out if it's something they should carry or what. And he's like, what, what's, what's kind of our, what's kind of our thing? What do we tell people? My dad, uh, looked at me, he said, well, we're going to make great products. We're going to sell them at great prices that leave people feeling like they got more than what they paid for. And we're going to back it up with, absolutely second to none service my brother was all super stoked about that so he took that and he uh he ran out to a show uh, a couple of shows and show season he ran out with that uh armed with that uh trio the hat trick to tell all these dealers and you know at that point we'd be raking in orders left and right and he started telling people that and he just got the immediate eye roll because he realized uh, or, or he realized that all the dealers had heard that a million times before because that's about the most classic thing that anybody <laughs> trying to sell somebody will say is that it's yep. a great product for a great price with great service. So he came back and he was all dejected and he told my dad, he's like, well, dad, what the heck? You know, you sent me out and you like, <laughs> make me tell you people this. And it was like, I got laughed at practically and people just laughed me out of their offices or laughed me out of the meeting room. And uh, my dad just looked at me and said, yep, I figured as much. He said, well, the difference between <laughs> – the difference between us when we say it and when others say it is that we're actually going to do it. Yeah. And so really there's, there's, there's not a whole lot that you can say. And this is, this is kind of the funny thing is, um, of course I'm in marketing now and, um, my dad used to tell me that he hated marketing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, now, now he's got a little bit of different tune just because of some of the ways that we do it. We do it a little bit differently. I would yeah. say or try to, um, but he used to say that he hated it because, uh, you know, he said, in the end, you know, people will look at what you've actually done and that'll be all that matters. You know, you can say as much as you want, but in, in the end, what you actually do will be the thing that matters. So, you know, we've tried to we've tried to keep that close to the vest as we've as we've progressed and making sure that we never forget that. Um, so good old good old wise words from dad, right? You can oh, never yeah. you can never go wrong when your dad when your dad tells you something. Uh, that stuff always sticks yeah yeah well you guys certainly do walk the walk and and while we're um talking about that talk to us a little bit more in depth about the vip warranty and kind of the no questions asked um tell give us the rundown of that because that for me it's it's a big selling point of vortex Mm -hmm. so vip warranty was really kind of born out of the fact that we used to have a retail business, or I guess that's kind of where, where you go back to when you consider every, all the thought that's gone into having it. When we used to have a retail store, we used to have folks that would come in and a lot of times, you know, folks will deal with the retailer they bought a product from if they ever have an issue with it you know, first, uh, or at least back in the day, it was first. Nowadays, with uh, all these different companies and stuff all having their own social media platforms, you see people go to them directly more often. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like if you ever had an issue, you went to you went to the person you bought it from. And we used to have our own. We, we kind of had the same ideals as far as customer service went when we were at our old, you know, when we were just a retailer for other people's yeah. products. 
And so we would do everything that we could in our power to help the people when they brought it in. And so a lot of times what we do is we would take the product and we did, you know, we'd, we'd replace it. We'd loan them a new product or something like that. And then we would deal with all the warranty stuff on our end. And it just seemed like there were a lot of hoops to jump through or there was a lot of fine print that you ended up having to read. And then we'd wind up with an angry customer because they wanted the issue taken care of. And so, you know, when we made Vortex, we thought to ourselves, you know, um, well, you know, how are we going to come up with the best warranty? You know, what's the best way to do this warranty? And inevitably you start thinking about, you know, okay, well, do you make it where, you know, it's five years and, you know, okay, yeah, five years is pretty generous. By the time somebody gets to five years, it's probably pretty beat up. They're thinking about getting some new anyways. And then it's like, all right, well, how are we going to make sure that, you know, it's five years should it be from the time we manufacture it or from the purchase date. And it's like, well, how do you make sure, okay, purchase date. Yeah, that's easiest, you know, and then let's make them save the receipt. And then, <laughs> you know, like this, that, and the other thing. And it was all of a sudden we realized that we were creating the identical yeah, scenario the that we've seen some that we'd seen so many people struggle with for so many years. And so we just decided, you know, the best way to do this is just to say anything goes basically. Um, if you have the product, that's, that's really the only thing we can't cover is, is if there is no product. So if it's lost or stolen at that point, there's nothing that you can do about it. But if you have the product, if it's in a plastic bag and got shredded to pieces by a wood chipper, um, which we have seen and which I don't care to ask how that happened. <laughs> Um, you know, or, uh, or a lawnmower, which rangefinders are frequent, um, victims of lawnmowers because people go out in their backyard, they shoot with their bow and then they leave it in the ground and go mow their lawn later. Um, you know, truck rolled over it, shot it with a gun. I'm naming all things I've seen before too. bear ate it. Um, any of those things happen is kind of like, you don't need a receipt. You don't need to tell us where you bought it from. You don't need to tell us if you're the original owner. There's no warranty card to fill out. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. We'll cover it, and uh, yeah, I mean, no charge. We'll repair or replace anything. We do have a team internally of you know technicians that are pros at what they do. They know optics inside and out. So, you know, uh, little things here and there that might happen. You know, guys drop their binos out of the tree stand. I mean, you wouldn't think it happens all the time, <laughs> or maybe you would. I don't know, but I can tell you for sure it happens all the time. You know, and they bend an eye cup and. Uh, that stuff we can take care of very quickly. Um, our turnaround time is usually less than five days from the time we actually receive it. So um, I used to work in those departments myself. I re replaced many an eye cup, and um, we'll even re we'll even realign binoculars, you know, that have been dropped. Inevitably, okay. that's something, that's something that so many people don't even realize is that um, uh, they'll get a set of binos, they'll get them brand new, they look amazing. And as time goes on, they start to feel that there's this phenomena that eh, these binos just don't look as good as they used to. And it's not that the glass is like degrading in that period of time, or it's not that, you know, uh, I can't even think of it, you know, like it, when you get a car in, in after a hundred thousand miles, you can usually <laughs> assume that things are going to start going wrong or yeah. by that point, maybe some pieces in your engine are starting to wear down. It's not like that's happening in your optic. It's, 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 pretty much the same a lot of times people don't realize is that especially with binos there's two barrels that are aligned there and um they're connected by a bridge and and that can become and there's prisms in there and all kinds of stuff and that can become misaligned and that'll cause your image to not look quite as good as it used to it'll cause eye strain eye fatigue over time um if you ever look through your binos and you start getting a headache after a while that shouldn't happen 
And, you know, other things like even the focus will start to get a little bit out of whack where one barrel isn't focusing at the same exact rate as the other barrel. Uh, the quick remedy to that is using your diopter. That's kind of part of the reason it's there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, guys, guys like that here, uh, these technicians, they can fix all that. And anytime, anytime a binocular or, or anything that needs to be, for example, aligned or a rifle scope that needs to be checked for tracking, anything like that, um, anytime it comes into us and we do a repair on it, um, we'll also check those things. Cause a lot of times people won't even realize it. You know, they'll say, Hey, my eye cup's broken. And then we look at it and we're like, well, how are you also not throwing up every time you look through these binos? There's <laughs> of alignment, you know, that, that, I mean, we get an instant headache when we look through them. So yeah. we'll, we'll that too but um yeah it's no questions asked it's it's uh we try to make it as painless as possible yeah well i think that's cool because no one wants to break their shit you know no one wants to run over no one wants to run over their binoculars or be without their scope for hunting season but you know inevitably stuff does happen and i just think it's i mean it 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 really shows what type of company you are that say hey you know i'm gonna take care of you no matter what um, you know, as long as it's not lost or stolen and, uh, you can get it back to us, it's, you guys are going to replace it and do what's right. And I think people really, you know, relate to that. And I think that's probably, uh, has a lot to do with your success and, and really growing your market share. So, um, you know, that's, that's, it's neat. I, you don't hear of that in a lot of different areas of, of optics and let alone just any hunting company or any, any company, uh, you know, for that matter. So it's, it's, it's pretty unique. Yeah, it's 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 fun too because one of the other cool things that I think we get to do around here is that a lot of our technical support and customer service people uh, are also shooters and hunters themselves. So, yeah. um, you know, it, I I've had it in the past. You know, my my biggest thing, my my biggest hobby, I guess if you will, has always been cars, and uh, I've dealt with a number of different companies in the past where you call up with a question or something like that, and um, you're talking to somebody that, that doesn't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Frustrating. And, um, yeah, it, it really is. And it's kind of makes you wonder, it's like, well, how the heck did you get a job at this place? Was it just the first thing that popped up in the classifieds or yep. what, you know? And, and, uh, it could be based on a warranty issue I've had or a service issue or just, or just anything. And so, you know, if anybody ever has a problem with their optic, a lot of times, you know, I'll be honest, it sounds, it sounds predictable coming from the guy who works at the optics company right uh to say that a lot of the issues that we see come in for warranty work and upwards of 80 to 90 percent of them uh come from user error and whether that's you know dropping in just things that happen on accident i mean we're not pointing any fingers it's going to get taken care of regardless and you know people don't have to be embarrassed if they ever screw something up um because we've all done it ourselves too uh but a lot of it is user error and so we're able to because we have folks on the phones and on our email system and in social media who know their stuff and they really, they've either been doing it their whole lives, uh, have made it a big part of their hobby set or have taken it upon themselves to go through a lot of training, um, to understand this stuff inside and out. We have them that, that can talk with folks. Um, I've had, I've seen guys at work be on the phone with somebody for like two and a half hours because the person's at, at the range shooting. And, you know, they over torque the rings on their rifle scope tube, which can happen with any set of rings out there, can happen with any rifle scope on the market. And it's causing some issues with their tracking or it's causing issues with holding zero. And so this person walks the person on the, through on the phone uh, through entirely dismounting and remounting their optic and then zeroing it again and then going through uh, a little bit of a test. And wow. you know, that just kind of 
it's that's what these people are paid yeah. to do. It's what they do all day, and, and they love it because they get to talk hunting and shooting all the time. Very cool. Very cool. Well, speaking of rifle scopes, I kind of want to go through the lineup here that will apply to more of the, the Western hunter or just any hunter in general. But I want to talk rifle scopes, uh, binos, spotters, and range finders, kind of those four uh, product lines there. But let's let's bounce to rifle scopes first. Like, so if, if I'm on the website and, or I'm a beginner Western hunter, let's say I'm just now getting into rifle hunting. Um, I want to hunt elk or mule deer, or I could be taking those two, three, four, you know, 500 yard shots. Like what's, what's a good, like entry level, um, Western rifle scope that, you know, you would recommend to maybe somebody looking to get started. Yeah. Uh, one rifle scope that's been doing it for many years, we've had it around for a long time, is uh, as far as entry-level optics go that are still plenty capable would be the Diamondback okay. uh, series. And, um, you know, I bring up the Diamondback series, and I know that underneath that is the Crossfire 2 series, and the Crossfire 2 series is plenty capable as well. Um, you know, but I, I would say that generally speaking, once you head out west, it's it's you, you place your emphasis on your optics. Everything is so much more vast and so much potentially further away yep. uh, or just even so much more extreme that having that, having that little bit better optical quality, even a bump up, um, you're not bumping up a tremendous amount in your price. Um, and you're going to feel, you're going to feel the advantage uh, when you take something like that out. So the Diamondback series uh, is a really great optic and something that you can get into for usually around 200 bucks or so. And, Four to twelve, uh, four to twelve by forty AO. In fact, I think we just recently might have discontinued the AO, which is an adjustable objective. It allows you to uh, focus the rifle scope at various different distances, um, but you can still find quite a few of them out there. Um, it's kind of a, it's a neat feature. It's a nice to have. It's not a neat to have. Um, some people get a little bit weird when they think, "Wait, I can't focus this rifle scope." But <laughs> if you have if you have one that is fixed. Uh, fixed parallax, for example, it doesn't have an adjustable, uh, objective or it doesn't have a side adjustable parallax knob. It still works just fine. People have been using those for years and years without issue. Um, but, uh, it's like I said, uh, it's, it's a nice to have that I need to have, but the four to 12 by 40 diamondback, great scope. Next step up from there, which is a scope that I would say, oh man, it's like the meat and potatoes of our line. Um, I, I would put this scope on anything and hunt anything with it. I'm, I'm quite certain. <laughs> I can't, I can't well, ra- well rounded that maybe you could use for whitetail, you know, back home or, oh, yeah. or elk or, you know, mule deer out West. Yep. And that would be the Viper HS okay. two and a half, to 10 by 44 or the four to 16 by 44. That's the one that and, I have. I have the Viper, um, that two and a half by 10 and I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. So the funny thing about the two and a half to ten by forty four, the the HS, the Viper HS, is that um, we recommend that optic more than any other optic in our entire lineup. I would say every single day, I hear folks on the phones downstairs, over the uh, over the kind of area where I sit, I hear people recommending that scope to people, and it's it's just such a good configuration uh, for anything out there i i 10 power 
can get you out pretty far. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you would really ever need a whole lot more than 10 power unless you were really doing some extreme long range shooting. And then, yeah. you know, if you're like a long range hunter, you know, or something like that, then you're probably not looking at something with cap turrets and everything like that anyway. Um, so yeah, two and a half to 10 power, it allows you to do so much. The two and a half on the low end just gives you such a big field of view. And whether that's even just finding a critter that you're trying to mm -hmm. pursue uh, or taking game that's relatively close up and you want that bigger field of view, um, the light the light gathering capabilities on a lower magnification scope are always better than that of a higher magnification scope. Just It's just physics. Um, and so, you know, all else similar, I should say too. But um, it's... It's a great scope. It can do it can do basically anything. Uh, the four to sixteen, though, for folks who get a little bit weirded out, the reason I I kind of stress that is because some people just look at two and a half to ten and they're just like, it's just not enough. <laughs> and I I guess I get it because bigger numbers to folks, there's always better. You know, it's the same thing in the in the car world that I that I enjoy quite a bit. It's you know, the more horsepower and the bigger the engine, the better. Um, even though I would beg to differ, but. Um, so the 4 to 16 is a great scope too, though, and, and it'll get the job done for sure. And then the highest end rifle scope that you'd find in our lineup for Western hunting more specifically would be the Razor HD Light Hunter, 3 to 15 by 42, I want to say. That's a 42, um, which again, don't get freaked out by some of these numbers. Whereas that's not the biggest objective in the world, but the optical quality on that optic and the, the, the glass and the lens coatings and the way that the entire optical system is designed, that scope absolutely has the best light transmission of any hunting scope in our lineup. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my, my good, better, best. I, I missed a few more niche products in there like the Viper HSLR, for example, the long-range kind of hunting scope. Uh, with an exposed elevation turret but th those are a little bit more specific usually if you're going after a viper hslr you kind of know that you want that scope um for yeah. more long range hunting so yeah for sure well I, I know for myself like the two and a half by ten it's like i come from more of the archery side where uh, you know my max range is 50 yards when i when i put the rifle mm -hmm. in my hand if i can shoot 100 yards <laughs> 200 yards 300 yards which is very you know um, easily doable with that, that scope that I have, uh, that's a huge step up for me, you know, as, as more of an archery hunter, when I have the gun in my hand, I just feel like a hundred yards. I'm like, wow, I've, I've doubled my effective range and, and that's yeah, huge. Yeah. So that scope is perfect for me. I'm never going to be the guy that's taken 500 yard, you know, 800 yard shots. Although you probably could do four or 500 yards with that, with that gun. If you, if you practice enough with it and got used to that scope and everything, but you know, two to 300 yards max for me is, is my sweet spot. And I think a lot of people can, um, relate to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about binos. So I, I run the 12 by fifties, uh, on the Viper side and I, I really, I've really enjoyed those cause you know, coming from more of the Midwest from hunting big woods, um, you know, kind of more of your eight powers or, you know, 10 powers mm -hmm. just aren't, what I feel would be enough for Western hunting. Um, I feel like the 12 by fifties, I can kind of get away with a lot of stuff. I don't necessarily need to bring a spotter all the time. I actually don't own one, but if I did, I feel like the 12 by fifties, um, you know, kind of that cross between a spotter and, you know, you more of your whitetail binoculars. Uh, do you feel like a 12 by fifties, a pretty good, uh, you know, bino for the Western hunter, or would you recommend something else? The 12 by 50 is kind of an up and comer, 
Um, I would say, I mean, it's not that it's brand new or that it, nobody's ever seen him before, but it's definitely gaining in popularity quite a bit. And yeah. I think that kind of for the same reason you brought up, it's kind of like a cheater's binary. And, and, and <laughs> cheater, I'm not calling you a cheater. I'm not calling anybody who's with a cheater, but I'm a cheater. You can, you can. <laughs> You can get away with hand holding the twelve by fifty. Yep. Fifteen by fifty, I unless you have the most rock solid hands and arms and everything in the in the world, uh, you know, I don't think you can hand hold it. And of course, anything bigger than that, you're just gonna be looking at like, you know, a shaky picture. So the twelve by fifty, you can get away with hand holding it and then you can also mount it up on a tripod and get some really steady, nice close up glassing. Yep. And so kind of like you said, people can get away with maybe, uh, maybe I don't take my spotter out with me on this one, or maybe the, the, the classic configuration or setup, I would say in the past has been like a 10 by 42 yeah. and then, uh, and then a spotting scope of some sort. So basically your, your binos are on your chest and you use those to quick scan and tear apart the landscape and then by the once you finally have spotted something or you think you see something of interest then you transition over your spotting scope to bring it in for a closer look yeah like you said the 12s can kind of do both of those things and they're certainly not i would say the best at both but they're good enough at both yeah um if i'm just trying to handhold something i really want that big field of view and i want to be able to scan a lot at once i'll even bag it down to like an eight Eight, yeah. eight powers, people underestimate eight all the time because there's 10 available to them. But if the diff, you know, if, if the two binoculars side by side were a six by 42 and an eight by 42, then everybody would be going for the eight because the eight's the bigger number and everybody would think eight is such a huge, you yeah. know, magnification. <laughs> um, but because it's eight and 10, everybody looks at eight as the small one and 10 is the big one. So they all go for the tens, but eights, eights can do quite a lot. And especially around here, like you said, in the big woods, you know, eights are basically a requirement. Um, but as you go out West, they they can still get the job done, but you know, tens start to become out West, uh, a good sweet spot for something that you're hand holding a lot. You can still tripod glass with them just fine. Um, but you'll probably want to have a spotter with you. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. I could go either way. I actually, wind up using a 10 just by default because i use the fury range finding bino okay and so when we went on our hunt out in nebraska i was using that and we were in the sand hills it uh wasn't there weren't any points where i really would have ever needed a spotting scope for for certain um like i said my deer was at 225 about and you know everything that i was looking at that we we could even go after um, with all the snow blizzarding conditions and all that, I mean, it's, I wasn't seeing very far. So yeah. I went with the, the tens were just fine, but either way, if you want, in, in our case, the, uh, range finding you have to go with the 10 right now. Um, the 10 by 42s and yeah, they've always gotten the job done for me. Um, and so then I'm kind of, if you will, uh, doing the cheater thing, but with two other, another piece of equipment. So I have the bino and the range finder all in one instead of like a bino and spotter. Got it. So got it. See, I didn't even know you guys made a binocular uh, with the rangefinder built in. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the Fury HD rangefinding bino is the first question everybody wants to ask because it's a little bit different than our regular nomenclature, which kind of goes from you know good to best as being Crossfire, Diamondback, Viper, and Razor. The Furies are kind of like a Viper as far as the optical quality goes. Yeah. 
Uh, we don't call them a Viper because it is it is a different optical system, and there's a rangefinder in there, to, which which changes a lot as far as the physics of it and everything, the makeup of it goes. But it's optically similar to the Viper HD um, 10 by 42 configuration. And now this year, actually, we updated it. Previously, it had about a 1600 yard capable rangefinder, and actually now it's like more than doubled to 5,000 capable. Um, and that's on reflective targets. So, you know, a deer, that's a fairly non-reflective target with the hide and everything. So you'll actually be getting more towards that 1600, which we used to have as a maximum reflective. Now that's kind of like your unreflective deer hide range capability, uh, out to about 2000, 2200 or so on trees and stuff like that. And then 5,000 on reflective targets. So, um, it's a, it's a really great tool to have with you out in the field, um, when we, when we were out there glassing, the the deer did not like to be out in the open because it was so horrible. I mean, it was cold, it was nasty, it was blowing and windy and blizzarding and everything everything about it sucked. Yeah. So we ended up having to use other hunters to our advantage. We were out on public and we would watch other hunters and we'd sit up on a hill and a lot of times, you know, deer are like ghosts. You'll kick up a deer that might be 20 yards from you yeah. and not even know it especially in the snow, their, their foots or their, their, their foots, um, (laughs) their, uh, their footsteps. Yeah. Are so quiet. And a lot of that is muffled by all the wind and snow in the air. And so you'd see a deer shoot out of a, a plum thicket or something like that real quick. And as you're glassing, it, it was really valuable to be able to range that deer immediately and see how far away it was and then get your dope for your rifle. And that's actually kind of what happened with me. We watched a deer, we watched one deer actually literally sprint at some hunters. It came within 20 feet and then saw them and, and booked it up this hill. They were none the wiser. They didn't even realize that a deer almost T-boned them, <laughs> um, which was crazy. I mean, I, I have no idea how they didn't hear it. But they wound up walking down a hill, and we were kind of looking into a little bit of a horseshoe uh canyon for lack of a better term whatever you would call it yeah and they kicked up a deer from one of these plum thickets and he goes hightailing out of there and he stopped for a minute on the side of this hill that was opposite from us and i caught him i caught this brown streak in my in my optics as i was actually i was kind of giggling at these people who had missed a deer almost like they probably could have (laughs) like like underhanded a snowball and hit the deer where it turned away from him so i'm laughing at them i'm like oh look at those guys and next thing I know, this brown streak flashes across my binos, and they kicked up a deer, and he goes running across. And so I meet, I saw him. He stops, and he kind of looks back. You know, I ranged him real quick, and it said 225. I had Ryan Muckner, uh, who I mentioned before, and I had Mark Boardman, two guys here that we work with. You know, they were they were right there with me, and so I was like, I got him at 225, and they had, I want to say, one of them had a fury as well. So he's watching, making sure that, you know, the range doesn't change, whatever. So I was able to just quick jump down and then get on the gun and dial that and take the shot. Whereas, you know, if you have two separate pieces of equipment, like yeah. an ocular and a range finder, you know, next thing I know, I see that brown streak flash across my optics. Well, now I have to find it again, either with my bare, you know, naked eye or with the binos. And I have to put those down, fish around for my range finder, all while freaking out and I'm making a bunch of noise and stuff <laughs> and then try and range it. And, uh, it just would have taken a lot longer. So that, that was a really valuable tool. 
Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I feel like that would be more uh, applicable towards the rifle hunter where you do have those longer ranges. Um, the bow mm-hmm. hunter, you know, close quarters, you need to know if it's 20 or 30. The handheld is, is uh, you know, probably more yeah. where that would be more applicable. But I totally see that. That's that's really yeah. cool. The handheld is slick, and you get six power, so you get a bigger uh, bigger field of view through it, you know, a little bit lower magnification. Um, the nice thing with the Furies for a guy who bow hunts as well is – you know, so the controls are on the right side, so you can use it with your right hand, one-handed. Yep. Um, and then actually, it, it has probably the most accurate ranging of any of our rangefinders in within a thousand yards. So it gives you 0.1 yard increments within a thousand yards. Wow. Um, so it's super accurate. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, once you're once you're a bow hunter, you could go with that, uh, which is an $1,100 bino, or you could go with a $200 rangefinder that's going to do the job just yeah. fine. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, speaking of rangefinders, what what would be that good handheld rangefinder maybe for a Western bow hunter uh, or even rifle hunter? I mean, what uh, what would you recommend as far as uh, in the Vortex lineup? Mm-hmm. So for somebody getting started who isn't super concerned with ranging, you know, out beyond a thousand. I mean, if if you see something that's out beyond a thousand, you just kind of take that for okay. It's beyond a thousand. <laughs> They're gonna have to. I'm either going to have to put a stock on and get over to it. You know, yep. I'm not going to take the shot from here uh, or I'm just going to let that one go. Um, if that's kind of you, then our impact range finder would be a great choice. Uh, I think right now it, it is 850 capable. Okay. Um, so perfectly, perfectly well suited oh, for yeah. a boat hunter, uh, or even a guy who isn't going to be taking shots out at extreme distances. It'll, it'll range a deer very well within 500 yards. Um, and so, and it only goes for around 200 bucks too. So wow. for a, a handheld rangefinder with good optics, you know, and, and pretty good ranging capability and stuff like that, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good deal. It also has angle compensation too, which, you know, is a good thing for tree stand hunters, um, guys like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the next step up, if you're a guy who is going to be doing either a little bit of long range hunting, or you kind of want to get an idea, a better idea of some of those animals that are pretty far away. Um, it all depends of course on where you're, where you're hunting. I can only yep. imagine I've never hunted in Arizona, but from every video I've seen, it seems like, uh, you know, or episode of meat eater I've seen, it seems like you're kind of, you're looking at stuff that's across a canyon. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, I might go with our Ranger 1800 in that case, which is the next step up. And, um, that's a, uh, actually we're doing some changes around in our, in our rangefinder lineup. Cause I know there's a 1300 that goes for 300 bucks and the 1800 goes for 400 bucks. I want to say, but that's going to be changing around. Wow. I hope I didn't reveal any, uh, <laughs> huge, um, I, and it's not necessarily even that uh, we're going to be introducing a brand new model anytime in the immediate future, but I just know that somehow that's going to be changing around or something like that. I can't remember what it is, but, um, you know, I mean, you can you can kind of get the, the idea of the differences between rangefinders. Basically, as you pay more, you generally speaking might get a little bit better optical quality, but your most of your money is going into that laser engine and how powerful it is, yeah. how accurate and capable it is. So Yeah, um, yeah. It yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. Um, now let's cover, let's cover spotting scopes. This is something that's been on my list for the last year or so. Like I said, I bought the 12 by 50 binoculars kind of more along the lines of, Hey, they're binocular and they, and they've got a really good range to them and I can still, you know, hold them freehand and, and still be able to, to see what I want to see without being too shaky. But I definitely want to get a spotter. Um, 
talk to us about that a little bit. What what is something that you would recommend for you know uh, a good entry level uh, spotting scope that you know mm-hmm. can add to the lineup of somebody who just has existing binoculars and they want to kind of bump it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So spotting scopes in our line right now are a little bit different from the rest of our lines. Most of our other lines will start at like a crossfire level. Um, and I've mentioned those a little bit before. I think that they're an absolutely fine bino uh, or, or optic, I should say. And uh, somebody could use one out west. They tend to be more popular around the Midwest and, and stuff like that. I, I would say, again, not not to be an optic snob or anything, but even when it comes down to us recommending something for a Western hunter, generally speaking, you place your principles on your optics. Yeah. Um, and so when you can uh, go for a little bit better optic, it's not a bad thing. But in our case of our spotting scopes, we actually start out at Diamondback. And we don't have a crossfire. I think just at this point, we've, we haven't been able to develop something that would be uh, – we ha- we feel comfortable putting our name on. And, um, you know, and being able to, I guess, say that th- that, that would get the job done. Now, I'm not yep. going to say that that won't be possible in the future uh, as technology continues to advance. And, you know, it's you, you get better and better stuff at, at lower and lower costs. I mean, look at – Look at flat screen TVs these days. You know, 60-inch plasma screen TV used to be like eight grand, and now you can get one on Black Friday for like 300 bucks. Um, so you, you never know if in the future that'll be a thing. But um, spotting scopes, we start out with Diamondback, and I would say really being our most entry-level spotting scope, it doesn't do it justice because it's a really nice spotter. Um, it's very lightweight. Nice. And it has optical quality that I would I would feel comfortable sending somebody on a Western hunt with. Um, you know, do I think they would enjoy a Viper or a Razor HD better? Yeah. But, you know, it's like it's still going to uh, get it done. You're still going to get it done. And for half the cost or, you know, a third the cost. Yeah. So the Diamondback is where I would go. You can get a 65 or an 80. Is it 60 or 80 or 65 or 85? Can't remember. It's one of those. Uh, one of those two combos, but, um, I would probably opt myself for the larger one. Um, it's because they're, they're so light to begin with that when you go a little bit larger, uh, aside from some more bulk, uh, if I had a tight pack, I would go with the 60 or 65. Um, but if I didn't have a super, you know, uh, if I wasn't strapped for space in my pack, I'd go for the bigger one. And it's not going to be a ton more weight. And, um, you know, you just have the, the advantage of, a little bit bigger objective. Same magnification range are both 20 to 60 power. Um, so, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I would go with. You're going to be looking at around four to $500. Um, spotting scopes are kind of like binos in some regards. In other ways, they're not. I mean, both binos and spotters, they're very simple when you break them down. There's not a whole lot of features that you can have with them. Rifle yep. scopes, like like explaining a rifle scope to a beginner is super complex <laughs> because there's so many – if a rifle scope were on Amazon, which some of them are, you know that side checkbox list where it's like, well, what color do you want it to be? What reticle do you want it to be? What tube size do you want it to be? What objective do you want it to be? I mean you would be, you'd be selecting options for days. And yeah. It's like you want it to be illuminated. First of all, second of all, blah, 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 blah. And you know, parallax – all these things. Yeah. And so you might see a scope that has every option under the sun, but not very good optics. And it costs more than a rifle scope that has better optics, but less options. <laughs> and then trying to explain to somebody, well, the one with better optics, but less options is actually a better scope. 
is really difficult because they're like, well, I want all that stuff. And it's like, okay, well, if you want all the stuff, then you're just going to have to have less optical quality. And they're like, but it costs more. It's like, well, yeah, because you're paying. So you, you wind up with all these things like like that. And so with vinyls and spotters, it's nice because it's just an optic. Yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot. I mean, very few differences in features. And so basically the more money you spend, the better optics you get. Yeah. And vinyls, you'll start to see a little bit of a diminishing marginal return. And that's my, that's my economics review or, uh, degree coming out. <laughs> so basically you would have to spend like between a Viper and a razor. Those are our two, our second to highest end and our highest end. You'd have to spend, um, 500 or more dollars, let's say to see the same increase in quality from the Viper to the razor as you would see going from the crossfire to the diamondback. But when you go from the crossfire to the diamondback, the difference is 50 bucks. Okay. So you have to pay a little bit more to get a big increase at the lower levels. But then at the higher levels, you have to pay a lot more to get the same increase. If you could per- put it into a percentage. Okay. Um, spotting scopes, you have less of a diminishing marginal return. It seems like just straight up the more money you spend, the better it gets. Got it. So you'll spend, more money on a Viper and you'll get better optics. You'll spend the equal amount more money on a razor or whatever. And you're just going to get, you won't, you won't see that kind of like, well, was this worth it? It'll be like, okay, I felt like I got all my money's worth out of that jump up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now that's a good explanation. So. Cause you do have, like you said, the different, the diamond back, the Viper and the razor. Um, and that kind of gives us a good idea where, you know, where you fall as far as quality and, and kind of mm-hmm. breaking down the different, different lineups that way. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I'd break it down. Um, but really, like, kind of across the board for a beginner Western hunter, if you just look at if it says Diamondback on it, like, you're in good shape. Yeah. From Vortex. So, we're going to have something for you that you can use and that you can be very successful with if it says Diamondback on it. And it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 500 bucks for a spotter. I mean, that's. That's an awesome setup there for not too much money. I mean, some of the competition, you're, <laughs> you're well beyond that. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously you've got your higher end stuff too, but, um, you know, I mean the razor HD topping out, I'm looking on the website right now at, you know, thousand bucks. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That, and that, that goes back to the whole thing of, you know, a, a good quality product for a, for a great price. And, and, uh, you know, I think you guys have done a really good job at nailing that and, and, and perceiving that value to the, to the hunter or the, the bird watcher or, you know, the, the shooting enthusiast all across the board. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that kind of gives us a good rundown of, as far as like the different products and, and stuff that more geared for the Western hunter. Um, you know, any, what, what do you got coming out for the future? Any stuff that you can kind of, you know, hint at different industries, different product lines you're going down into, or is that kind of hush hush at this point? It's, I mean, it, it, we definitely keep it fairly hush hush. Yeah. I, I can give hints, you know, I mean, as being Western hunter focused, I think that a lot of, uh, the products that we're working on that are coming down the pike, a lot of your listeners will probably be very interested in them. I, that's cool. definitely something, um, that we're attacking quite hard. Um, really, I, I guess a couple of the, just the unique things happening around here at Vortex. I mean, one is that um, we've been growing quite a bit, and a lot of our growth is coming in our product development areas and our engineering and cool. um, you know machinists and all these different people that that are creating new and unique and really 
awesome products. Yep. So you're going to see a lot of cool products coming out from Vortex in the coming years. The other thing that you're going to see too, um, and this is a little bit unrelated to as far as like people and growth and product development of like actual products, um, you'll see products releasing kind of throughout the calendar year. Um, in the past, it's been a pattern in our industry to release almost your whole playbook for the year at the beginning of the year. And we used to do that just as much as everybody else did. And SHOT Show was a big time to release new products. And, you know, late January, people would be seeing, or even early January when teasers start coming out, people would be seeing all kinds of new stuff hitting uh, left and right. Yeah. And the issue that we ran into with that was that you talk about a product that is going to be new for this year. So 2019, let's say, for example, if we released everything at SHOT Show that we were going to release this year, uh, well, there's some products that aren't going to be shipping until August or, you know, November, yeah. or July or whatever. Um, those are arbitrary dates. Don't, don't hold me to it. <laughs> We're holding um, you to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are going to really be looking for something in those months. But um, then all of a sudden you have all this excitement built up at the beginning of the year and then it all tires off and people start getting angry and they're like, well, when is that thing going to come out? And then you wind up having a tie up tons of time on the phones and emails and social media answering people's questions like when is it going to come out and <laughs> we're, we're guessing we're trying to give them like well you know like july and of course then it's kind of like well you know it's not going to happen in july because you know we whatever whatever yeah. happened yeah yeah um and uh you know then it's august and then it's well it's not going to happen then and so we're just gonna if you see a new product come out from vortex um you'll be able to go and buy that product. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, you're, you're a retailer that you have might not have ordered it or might not have it or for whatever reason, they might be out of stock on it already by the time you see it. Yeah. Uh, but you'll be able to basically just go and get it. And, and so that's that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. That's really neat. That's really neat. I know. I, I, that was really arbitrary. I know you were looking for <laughs> juicy details on products. Uh, I do think the Western Hunter is going to, going to be kind of inundated with a lot of cool new things coming out. I'm not going to say it's going to happen all in 2019. Um, but certainly, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people underestimate the development time that goes into an optic. There's so much there. Um, we have optics that we're coming out with, like, for example, some that have come out this year or in the previous year, uh, that were three, four, five, six, sometimes seven years in the making. Wow. And so, wow. uh, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but here in the next few years, Western hunters are going to see a lot of cool new stuff. Even the competitive shooting and the, in the recreational shooting crowd are going to see a lot of cool new stuff, uh, behind closed doors, our military is going to be seeing some, some cool new stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, just, uh, a lot, of, a lot happening over here. It's, it's, I'm, it's I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. And I, you know, the biggest thing I'm seeing is a lot more people are looking to take that first Western trip. I mean, they want to hunt elk, they want to go out West, they want to experience the mountains and. Um, I'm noticing a, a pretty big growth in that, um, you know, as far as what I'm doing with the blog and podcast and more and more people are reaching out and, um, you know, I've just seen a bigger trend of people wanting to do their DIY style backpack hunts, you know, backcountry hunts. And it sounds like you guys are really catering towards that kind of interest and, and growth as well. Pretty cool. Yeah. The grassroots kind of, kind of thing is, is big now we've, kitted around here a little bit in that it seems as though old is the new new in that <laughs> that diy adventurous um you know field to table yeah uh, 
kind of honoring the old way of doing things is becoming this real new pop hip thing to do. And like, I, I don't say that, um, degradingly because I, it's the way that I enjoy doing things. Yeah. I find, I find it very adventurous. I find it requires a lot of, uh, thought and attention to detail and a lot of just stuff that's super fun. Uh, yeah. and so that's been, that's been fun to watch. Uh, watch happening and, and a lot of people wanting to venture out west and kind of conquer that uh, that that frontier you know if you will yeah so. yeah, yeah really cool really cool well Jimmy I've I've held you here long enough but um, before we jump off here where where can we go to find out more about Vortex talk to us about the website social media you know the podcast a little bit plug that and uh, you know let us know where we can go to kind of get more involved with Vortex Nation. Cool. So you can find us on social media. We're on basically every social media outlet you can imagine. We even used to be on Google Plus, but nobody else was there. So <laughs> I think we gave up on that. Yeah, I think everyone um, has. Yeah, yeah. We um we have good fun with folks on Reddit. That's kind of a, a platform that we enjoy hanging out on, and uh, there's a lot of goofballs on there. Cool. Um, <laughs> and so you can find us on there, and then the typical Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we also have, like you said, the Vortex Nation podcast. That one is co-hosted by myself and Mark Borgman, who I mentioned from that Nebraska hunt. We talk about a little bit of everything. If your only if your only thing is kind of Western hunting, like I said, you'll have some episodes in there that'll probably you'll be interested in. Uh, but if you kind of like the whole uh, the whole holistic firearms and hunting and all that stuff, you're gonna get a little bit of everything on that. Um, we've had some really popular episodes like uh long range we we call it 1001 instead of 101 we've done long range 1001 1002 and now 1003 where we've got some really cool guests on talking about ballistics and reloading and ammunition and how bullets are shaped and how they fly through the air how you know wind affects your bullet how temperature elevation uh which are all things that hunters can take great, uh, you know, information from two yeah. when they're out in the field. And, you know, I think a lot of hunters now have started becoming, um, it's become more of a thing to have hunters be also marksmen, yeah. if you will. And it, it just makes sense. Everybody talks about when to make an ethical shot and being able to take game effectively, you know, not having to track game for a really long time, putting it down, writing its tracks. And, um, the the only way you can do that is to become more familiar with your firearm, your cartridge, your environment that you're going to be shooting in, and then understanding the way that you know bullets fly through the air. And so we've done a lot of podcasts on that. So it's 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 all fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also just got a new website too, so you can go check that out, vortexoptics.com. If you uh, if you visit our website a long time ago, it'll look a lot different now. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's yeah. where you can find us. It's really neat, and and a lot of your videos too. I mean, like. You know, obviously you have your commercials and what on, on YouTube, but oh, you, yeah, also YouTube. Have a, yep. you also have a lot of informational, just how to sight in, you know, a rifle or, or you know, just a lot of informational, just good educational stuff, content that people can go and, and view and, and learn something from. So that's pretty neat as well. Yeah, I feel totally, I, I feel bad for not mentioning YouTube, but we're going to be coming out with a lot more stuff on there. Like you said, some of the informational stuff for yeah. people to, to use and, um, these days you can, you can graduate YouTube university and about just about any topic you want. <laughs> um, you know, Google university and YouTube university are, are oh, yeah. turning out more graduates with more, uh, skills than probably any university out there. Exactly. Um, so, 
uh, we'll be we'll be adding to that mix. Well, very cool, very cool. Well, Jimmy, I, I again really appreciate you coming on. Uh, big supporter, big fan of Vortex Optics, and uh, it's been great talking to you. We'll definitely have to have you back on at some point to get a maybe some more kind of more of the nitty gritty details of, of uh, you know setting up a rifle and walking us through some of that stuff, uh, getting into more of that stuff. So we'll have to have to have you back on at some point. Heck yeah, I would love to. Thanks for having me on to all the listeners out there. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to me. Hopefully you didn't get sick of my voice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, appreciate it. It's been fun. Well, cool, Jimmy. You take care and we'll talk to you soon. You as well. We'll see you guys. All right, and there we go. Another episode in the books. Big thanks to Jimmy Hamilton of Vortex Optics for coming on the show. We covered a lot of good ground. We, we walked through all the different lineups, and, and Jimmy made some really good recommendations for the Western Hunter, what what products and what models are better suited to that style of hunting. So hope you guys learned a lot. I sure did. And again, I'm, I'm a big supporter of Vortex Optics. I wouldn't have done this episode if I didn't believe 100% in what they have going on. Um, put the binoculars through the ringer the last couple of years, the scope through the ringer. And um, it's good quality stuff for a great price, and, and uh, I highly recommend them. So check them out, vortexoptics.com. All right, let's get to the giveaway. So um, Vortex Optics has agreed to do the following giveaway, and that's a 10 by 42 diamond back binocular. So that's a, about a $230 set of binoculars. So really, really cool 10 by 42 diamond back series. Uh, a Vortex hat and a Vortex t-shirt to one lucky winner. Pretty cool giveaway. It's the best giveaway we've ever had <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm keeping it pretty simple on how to enter. So listen listen closely. Basically, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hosted on the Sportsman's Nation podcast network, but Transition Wild podcast has its own feed on iTunes, it has their own feed on Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you listen to this podcast at, we have our own RSS feed. So here's how, you, with that in mind, here's how you enter. You have to subscribe to the Transition Wild podcast. It could be on iTunes, it could be on Stitcher, it could be on Podbean, Google Play, wherever. You have to subscribe to the podcast, and then you have to leave a review. Hopefully, it's a five-star review. That would be much, much appreciated. So it's it's simple. Type in Transition Wild to iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever. Search that, pull up the podcast, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. If you do that, you are entered to win the Vortex Optics giveaway. It's pretty simple. And for the people that might have already left a review and has subscribed to the pod, the gosh, I can't talk, and have subscribed to the podcast already, you will also be entered to win as well. So consider yourself already in the running. Pretty simple. Giving away Diamondback 10x42 binoculars, a Vortex hat, a Vortex t-shirt, all by going to wherever you listen to the podcast at and subscribing and leaving a review. Pretty simple. All right, I've kept you here long enough. Big thanks again to Vortex for coming on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you soon.